now you can't watch the greatest movie of all time. Today on the show, A Bronx Tale. The greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me Welcome, everyone, to the greatest movie of all time podcast, the show in which I, your co-host, the Sicilian shooter, Rick Barrasso. And I, the Big Bronx Boski. <laughs> we're going to watch every single movie ever made. We're going to help figure out which is the greatest of them all. How are you doing today, Derek? I'm doing just just brilliant. Excellent. So uh, today we're uh, taking advice from our weird older mobster friend with a Bronx tale, but uh, let's take care of some business first. Last week we had an episode on clerks and uh, much like the movie, I thought it was a very fun episode. We wanted some tangents there, uh, but check it out. It's a super fun episode. Ch- uh, check that one out or any of our library. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple podcasts, whatever app you use, subscribe, review. If you can, it's extremely helpful for the show. And if you enjoyed it, or if you have anything else you want us to cover, let us know on social media. We are the greatest movie of all time podcast uh, on Facebook. We're at Great Movie Cast on Twitter. We're at Rick and Rec on Instagram. And you can always shoot us an email at greatestmoviepod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And as our old friend and uh, number one at the box office, Bruce Wayne would say, tell your friends about us. But now, Let's uh, let's find out if the working man truly is a sucker with a Bronx Tale. Uh, Bronx Tale is a 1993 coming of age drama directed by Robert De Niro. Stars Chaz Palminteri as Sonny, Robert De Niro as Lorenzo Anello, and Lilo Brancato as Colosio Anello. It made 17.3 million dollars on a 10 million dollar budget. It's got a 7.8 on IMDb. A 97% in Rotten Tomatoes and an 80% on Metacritic. Uh, Ebert says four out of four stars. Bronx Tale is a very funny movie sometimes and very touching at other times. It's filled with life and colorful characters and great lines of dialogue. And De Niro, in his debut as a director, finds the right notes. I gotta, I gotta say, Ebert, you know, he's supposed to be this big, huge critic, but like, it was funny in parts, and it was also serious in other parts. <laughs> Good job. Good job, Ebert. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if he wasn't dead, he'd come and he'd be like, listen, Derek. He'd beat me with a sledgehammer. <laughs> he'd be like, I give you a thumbs down. He'd give me one out of four stars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, David Anson of Newsweek says, A Bronx Tale is a deliciously well-observed memory piece about growing up in the 60s that marked the vital debut of director Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro, by the way, has directed only one movie after this. Nick, for, for a negative one, Nick Good Shager. Shepherd? Yes. Okay. Uh, negative one, Nick Shager from Lessons of Darkness says, it's the moralistic tenor of a Bronx tale that is ultimately most off-putting. So, Derek, okay. you, uh, you chose this movie. I did. Why did you choose this movie? There was a point in time where this was my favorite film of all time. Uh, and that was before I religiously watched The Godfather. <laughs> uh, but I, um, I, the first time I saw this movie, I just, I just loved it. I loved everything about it: the soundtrack, the acting, the, the morals, the, the characters. Everything is just so fun about it. it. Some movies, and I know you can agree with me, they feel like home. Um, you know, you've talked in the past about having like VHS movies that just you just absolutely destroyed by just watching them so much. Right. I think one of them was like Jurassic Park. This for me was like just a movie I just couldn't get enough of. Um, so that's why I chose it. All right. Uh, this will be an interesting episode then. So, yeah. When, when did you first see this? Is this something that was just always around or is it? Um, I don't remember. I think I may have seen it. I remember when I was younger, I think on TV, I saw the scene where all of his friends blow up in the car. Spoiler alert. And I was like, what the hell is this movie? And, uh, and I just, ever since then, I'd seen like bits and pieces until I finally sat down and watched it. And then ever since I fully got the gist of it, I just, it became one of like the, the most common movies of my childhood and adulthood. So. 
Yeah, I, I think I saw this probably in high school in like a psychology class. That with, could have been a two. Maybe I did see it in school. I have such a bad memory. Yeah, I was I was I saw this first in like psychology class where is like uh Robert De Niro's character represented the superego and Chaz Terry's character represented the id and and C was the, the, the ego. So it was like here's the like basic psychology like played out in uh, in movie form and say, like, okay, but let's talk about what happens in the movie. Uh, Derek, have you chosen a song? Are, are we go? Are we moving away from songs? We're doing nah, let, let, let's do, I mean, there's so many good songs in this movie. Let's do, um, let's do come together by the Beatles okay. for that awesome biker scene. All right, let's do it. All right. Three, two, one, go. Colosio is an Italian-American boy growing up in the Bronx in the 60s. After witnessing a murder by local crime boss Sonny, he he refuses to give up to the police. After that, he's brought under the influence of the mobster. Um, He and his uh, father, uh, Sonny and his father, uh, compete for his uh, influence. Uh, This is more complicated years later, and his friends perceive black people encroaching on the neighborhood, and C has known to those things from an African-American girl. Uh, Sonny must balance... I'm sorry, my notes got all fucked up. Um, But anyway... Uh, he falls in love with a black girl. His friends try to kill a bunch of black guys. Time. Yeah. We'll yeah. never know. Oh, we will. We yeah. will know what happens. <laughs> Just what in time. What happened to Sonny? All right. <laughs> we'll uh, never know what happened to Sonny. <laughs> for, for some reason, like two of my sentences, like must have, I must have accidentally copied and pasted my notes like into each oh, other. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I was like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. But anyway, let's, uh, let's get to it. <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about what we like about this movie. What's uh? Let's talk about our three favorite scenes as we do each week. Uh, so, Derek, what is your number three favorite scene? So this is kind of a tie, um, but they both have to do with each other. It's both of Lorenzo and Sonny's encounters with each other. Um, I really liked the first time Lorenzo kind of walks into um, the bar and, and gives the money back to Sonny. And he's like, we can't accept that. I don't want my son around here. I don't want him to do what, what happens here. And Sonny keeps retorting and then comes to the point where they're almost at blows. And Lorenzo's like, you can ask anybody in this neighborhood. I never, I'm never out of order, but you are wrong to mess with a man's family. He's my son. And he's like, you know, it's funny how Sonny gets really upset. Like he's what? Like, are you serious, Sonny? Like, yeah, it's his son. No, I've adopted this kid immediately. Yeah. Just meeting him today. A few weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, Collergero is very upset and stuff. And it's a very touching moment between father and son and, you know, all that stuff. And I love the scene where Sonny kind of pokes his head out. And Jimmy Whispers is like, I'm going to take care of him. He's like, no, leave him alone. Like, of course, like you're going to kill him seriously. Like, and then later on in the movie, it's funny because when, um, you know, Clergier, the older Clergier always narrating the movie and he's like, him and my father never spoke ever again, you know, but obviously they did. And that's when, you know, uh, Sonny kind of beat up Clergier a little bit because for thinking that he screwed with his car and Lorenzo comes outside in his like pajamas and he's like, what did you say to my son? And he gets thrown to the ground and punched in the stomach immediately. And he just, Sonny just walks out and he's just like, next time learn what's going on for you open your mouth and that's like the only encounter he has and it's like you he gets punched in the stomach for just talking to him it's it's a really strange relationship and it's pretty impressive at the end that lorenzo can actually be like you know what i i'm sorry you just made him grow up so fast that's like you're a good guy i guess (laughs) (laughs) so my uh my number three scene is the um is actually the the see the the reason we're here the reason we're we're here today and there's Joe Pesci's scene, uh, the funeral <laughs> and uh, you know, Pesci. I, I, I so we'll, we'll get to it a little bit more, but I, I, with few exceptions, I don't necessarily love the narration in this movie, but I do like the, the line where it's like mobsters think whoever sends the biggest bouquet of flowers means you care more. Yep. Um, that made me, made me chuckle a little bit. Um, but yeah, Pesci coming in and just, I mean, given like a, just a, I don't know if it's quite a, like a cameo appearance necessarily, but just a little bit role where he comes in and just fucking kills it as always. And then you finally get uh, kind of you know, Lorenzo and uh, Colosio kind of reconnecting after being kind of at odds for, for a lot of the movie up to this point. I can't help but laugh when, uh, Joe Pesci and De Niro just walk past each other with no lines. You're like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's your number two? Was that, was that really over a parking space? He's like, 
No, no. <laughs> I love Joe, the way he the way Joe Pesci delivers lines is just so solid. Yeah, he's just very um, like he's just very so understated almost in this. Yeah, and it's like yeah, I think I'm done with the uh, yeah, I think I'm done with the club for a while. And he's like, yeah, I get it. And he's like, if you need anything, yeah, come by and see me. Um, but yeah, my number two is the scene where uh, Colorado and Jane um, share a, a nice moment after all the chaos. And the song by uh, Curtis Mayfield and the Impressions is playing I'm So Proud, which is one of my favorite songs from, from the 1960s. And, uh, you know, he's like apologizing and stuff. And I'm sorry for what happened. And she's like, me too. You know, my brother told me you did try to help him. And, you know, they're holding hands and the lady in the windows looking at them. And he's like, get back in your house. Like, it's, who cares? Like, it, you know, it, this whole movie obviously deals with the skin color and what neighborhood you live in and things like that. But it's a nice moment. Where it's just, it's the comedy in this movie is so good too. Where he's just like, they're like making out and it's like really bad. Cause they've both probably never kissed another person before. And he's just like, do you know how to make sauce? And she's like, what? And he's like, you know, sauce for macaroni. And she's like, shut up. And it's just like some of the funniest dialogue to me. Um, and then, like, the, here's, you know, here's, and then, like, here's my question about it is like, okay, so he, he didn't, Closure did not beat up her brother. Like, no. did try to save him, right? So yeah. even if that's the case, he still called her brother the Yeah, in front I agree. Of her, I and agree. She's just like, she's maybe like, she's so, maybe she's just so dead to it at this point that she's like, this is just, this is just how things are. Cause I wondered that too. Like, I think G and I were watching it and she's like, during that scene, she she mumbled under her breath. She's like, "He still called you that word, like, yeah. you know what I mean." So like, it's true. Like, he doesn't even really apologize for it, but um, it's just maybe it's just so in the culture that Jane's just like, "Well, we're fine now," and that's just whatever. Yeah, but, and they've only hung out like once. Like he, he walked yeah. like, a few blocks down the street, and that, and then like her next experience with him was like him using a racial slur. It was it's a, it's a weird relationship. It, it definitely is. And uh, I, I do love the scene, like right after this, when they go to the car and she, she does like open the door for him. And he's like, yes. And he gets in and she's like, what? And he's like, oh, and she's like, I knew you were one of the great ones. And she's like, what are you talking about? He's like, nah, it's an Italian thing. Like, it's a very cute, like little thing that they do in this movie. And it's, you know, Sonny's test is clearly better than Mario's test. Speaking, speaking of that, uh, my, uh, my number two scene is the, uh, the scene where Sonny explains the Sonny test. Uh, to Colodio, and he's like doing the whole thing driving in reverse. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, this is such a great moment where it's so distracting. Like, yeah, where he's just like, he's like, oh, fuck it. Like, what? No one's going to do anything. No one's going to say anything to me. It's such, it's a great character moment. And he's, yeah. you know, it's, it's very interesting that in, in this aspect of the movie, like, Sonny is like a piece of shit. He's a murderer. Like, who, who knows why he killed that guy? You know, yeah, what, it's obviously some sort of mafia thing. It's, it's probably. some sort of mafia thing, but even so, it's just like it could be a relatively minor thing. It wasn't a parking spot. Just to go back to that be, real quick, yeah. something I always I always wonder because I've seen the movie a million times. But Joe Pesci and that guy are, are trading insults back and forth, and I swear Joe Pesci goes, "Fuck you, you free hole." And I said, "What is a free hole?" Well, my whole life, I'm like, "What does that mean? Did I not hear it right?" <laughs> but I anyways, I, I digress. <laughs> but. But Sonny is like, a, like by all objective measurements, like a, a piece of shit. Like he kills people for yeah. like, we don't know. We don't know why. Just to keep power. And, but, and, and, and the opposite, like Lorenzo is a good man. Yes. He's also kind of a racist. Yes. That's what I was getting to. Lorenzo is like everything you want like a father to be up until this point where it's just like, Sonny's giving him giving closure great advice. Just be like, yeah, fuck it. Like, do you, do you love her? Okay, like, do it. Go for it. And uh, and Lorenzo's just like, no, I just think you know, stay stay like with your own people. And it's just like well, a you, weird you reversal. Know, well, you know what's funny? So Chaz Palminteri did write this movie, and De Niro directed it. But I know that De Niro did give Chaz Palminteri some influences because in real life, Robert De Niro's father was in fact racist, and Robert De Niro in real life happens to marry black women. You know, and I think he put that in the movie to kind of like a homage to like how he grew up and how his father reacted to things like that. So I do know that. So I'm wondering if that was just something think, that they put in the movie for that reason. Yeah, no, and I think I think it really adds some nuance to those characters because it, it, this movie could very well be like 
you know, Lorenzo's the angel on sea shoulder and Sonny's the fucking devil on the other shoulder, so, so, right. the other shoulder. Um, and it's not that there's some nuance to like how these characters behave. And it's like, you know, you have to take your influences from different places. Yeah. Uh, but this, this is the, I think, you know, to, to sort of tie back into that scene, I think this is the uh, kind of Sonny's best scene of like okay like this is the relationship because there's so many scenes where it's like sonny's just kind of like chastised i'm gonna stay away from these fucking idiot friends and like it's like okay well like this is a guy who like took him under his wing it almost like it reminded me a lot of gangs of new york actually yeah Uh, i could see that uh where you know it's kind of bill the butcher taking leo under his ring under his wing um you know closure was under uh, the wing of Sonny here. And he's like giving them like very great advice. And it's just, you know, it might not be, you know, you only get three great ones. Like it might not be, a, you know, the best advice, best way to live your life, but right. You know, it's, it, he believes it. Yeah. Um, just some of the quick things he gives him, like the Mickey Mantle advice is hilarious. Um, and then like, but some of the advice he gives him is all about like his own life. He's like, you know, he's asking him, is it better to be loved or feared? And he's like, I choose fear, but that has nothing to do with really Colosio's life. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's like C is actually just learning about Sonny's life. Oh, what did you do in jail? I read Machiavelli. Oh, oh what does that mean? Like, you know, it's, I feel like a lot of the advice Sonny gives him is like, oh, just go to college. So you have two educations. Like, there's not a lot of advice, but he's just like, your, your friends are dumb. Do the door test. Yeah. You know, some of his advice is very straightforward. And, and then, of course, the scene you mentioned, the best part of it is like, after everything about the door test, he's like, if she doesn't, if she doesn't open the door, you dump her, you dump her fast. And he's like, well, what about all those nice things you just told me? He's like, no, 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 forget all that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you feel that Sonny is grooming Colosio to take over for him eventually? No, because I think at every chance he says, this is not for you. This is my life. This is not for you. He says that a lot throughout the movie of like, you know, yeah. and, and I can it also, I mean, I know you haven't seen the show, but um, Tony Soprano's son, AJ is like weak. He's not ever going to be in the family. And Tony's like, you're not, this is not for you specifically. And I felt the same way about a Bronx tale. I feel like Sonny's like, I like you. You're a good, you're a good hearted kid. And I've seen you grow up, but this life isn't for you. I just want to see you do well. I, the oh, other movie know. that this kind of like, and this movie kind of takes it down a darker path, obviously, because you know, the characters are much older, but it, it did, it reminded me of the departed a little bit. Um, if you, yep. if you look at it that way, where, you know, Sonny is kind of yeah, uh, Costello. Costello. Yeah. yeah. And you know, if, if, if Colosio was a fucking sociopath, he'd be, he'd be Matt Damon's character. Um, right. But it very easily could be like, Oh yeah. Colosio, like he made something himself. He's my guy in the whatever. Yep. Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe something like that. And then also it's just like, the scene in Departed where Matt Damon's like, "Was well, this is not what it's all about? Like all that, all that fucking and no sons. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it has to be because Sonny clearly doesn't have a child. So, right. So what's your, uh, what's your number one favorite scene? So my number one, I, I couldn't help it. I, I couldn't help it. I'm sorry, but I have a, a, just a very, just a tie. I couldn't figure out what is, what's the best scene in this movie. One, one or the other, the first one that I'll say is, the beginning of the movie where he's just narrating all the characters in the bar and talking about how the city works and where he lives. I loved that stuff. I love movies that do that. It reminds me of kind of a Scorsese type thing, you know, Frankie coffee cake is famous like a Drake's coffee cake. And if you look at Jojo the whale, you'd see that he, he gets fatted by the hour. You know, Shadow kill the dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You, you walk among Jojo the whale. Um, I love that stuff. Uh, I thought it was great. And then, um, yeah, just all that narration stuff is great in the beginning of the movie. And then all the music, too, where it just shows all the people of the town. And the, the song choices by De Niro are excellent. They just flow so well with each other. Um, just the, the, the guys, like, all uh, on the street holding each other, and people are just jumping on them. It's, like, a really weird thing in the 60s, I guess. I, I don't know. You and I, Rick, never did that with our friends. Yeah. It's like you know, it's a very... Leapfrog, which is... Yeah, leapfrog, each each other, yeah. Hold, holding each other, like... Um, I love what that do you scene. When you're done with it, he's like, "All right, we're done. Get down." All right, now. <laughs> everybody just falls over and yeah. like giggle. Um, the other scene is the I call it the black and white scene, and that is when um, you know, first off, Colorado gets into the car with his friends, and he's he's nervous and he's talking to himself about like, you know, I hear I hear Sonny saying, "Don't lose it, see. Don't lose your head, see." And then my other my father saying, "You know, these people will hurt you, see." And he's Colorado or whatever, and he's like. 
somebody pulled the chain and I was going down the fucking toilet. And meanwhile, all along the watchtower by Jimi Hendrix is playing. And it's like, just the, the, everything together is just amazing. And Sonny gets him out of the car. Later on, his friends are driving to go throw like cocktail, like these like bombs into the, um, the, the record shop in, in the black area of, of town and stuff. And I love the way that De Niro had from the, the white people's perspective, it's like, um, strange, br- strange brew by cream, you know, she's a witch. Da, 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 da. Um, and then you go over to the black people's point of view. And this is a man's world, James Brown. And I just loved the conflicting sort of thing. And then of course the car blows up and they get what they deserve. But the way he directed that and the way it was filmed back and forth with those two songs, it sounds like it wouldn't work on paper, but it certainly did in the, in the scene. So I really enjoyed that. I, 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 Definitely enjoy both of those scenes. Um, I, I mean, we'll 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 sort of get to what what doesn't work from this movie, but let's go to my favorite scene here first. Uh, I think actually just the opening of the movie in general, where I, I think to me the you know some of the best parts about this movie are like how fully realized that the world is, mm-hmm. and you know, I, like I said, I don't love a lot of the narration, but you know, one of the bits that I do really like is you know, at the very beginning here where it's, you know, it's like setting the scene. And then it's like, you heard the song of the Italian American man singing to his lady. And it's like, Marie, get in the car. <laughs> get in the fucking car. <laughs> She's like, he's like, come on, babe. You know, I love you. She's like, bullshit. And he's like, will you get in the fucking car? Yeah. And like, yeah, we'll get to the negative part too, but this has something to do with that. I don't I wonder if you have the same thing. Well, let's, but, let's, let's go to that. Cause I, I okay. what, what do you have? Cause I, I'm so I don't, I, I actually don't have too many here. Cause this is again, one of my favorite movies. The one thing I really just kind of bothers me. There's a lot of overdubs and a lot of people talking and the voice is not matching up with what they're saying. It happens very frequently throughout this movie. And I'm like, well, they couldn't fix that in 93. Like you couldn't just refill. I don't, yeah. maybe they were saying something else. And they changed it. I don't know. Um, it's just something that bothers me in the movie. Honestly, other than that, I, I feel like, the, the the whole moral of the story is okay, but I also feel like the wasted talent thing is like, you know, Lorenzo telling his son, "You have all the talent in the world, but what talent does he have? Yeah, is he just is, saying it to done? say it? Like, what does yeah. he mean by that?" It's it almost reminds me of um, I don't know, it maybe not nihilistic, but it's like just saying something nice to your to your kid so he feels positive. But like, what what does Colorado actually have? That's skillful. I think he's just saying like potential more so than talent. Yeah, right, 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 right. I think I think that that's a kind it, of a broad word. Yeah, I, I feel like it's more like you can do anything you want, and right. he's like, you know, uh, Lorenzo's terrified he's going to just be sunny. Uh, yeah, and the other thing, that, real quick, is that um, you know, Clergero says that Sunny saved his life, but I feel like you know Sunny didn't really tend to do that. He just. You know what I mean? Like Sonny didn't mean to, he didn't know that yeah. was going to happen. He just happened to pull him out of the car because he didn't like his friends. And Clarissa was like, oh, you saved my life. I want to thank you. And it's like, did Sonny mean that? I mean, I don't yeah. know. He was a piece of shit to him earlier when he thought he did the thing to his car. So it's a strange relationship. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've, got, I've got a couple of things. And I think, so the narration in this movie, and I get that it comes from a one-man show. Um, so it it probably makes a lot more sense in that context as like adapting that. But I think good narration in movies tells you stuff that can't necessarily be portrayed in visually, basically. Whereas I think in this movie, a lot of the narration just tells you things that you're already seeing. Okay. Or things that can be, uh, things that can be expressed visually, like it's in the car, like that scene that that you know it's your number one scene, but it's like you you see it in C's face where it's like, uh, you know what, what do I do? What do I do? And they and the the narration is like I hear my influences telling me, and I'm conflicted as to what I should do. And it's like we don't necessarily need that. It's just sort of like it's gilding the lily a little bit. Uh, the other thing is, um, I think Palmentary and De Niro are so much better than everyone else in this movie that it makes everyone else look look worse. I, um, like, I like it's. I think the the actor who plays Colosio and his like, and the actors who play his friends, like the the, the older Colosio, 
is like he's playing like it, it sounds like he's doing an impression of De Niro in Godfather 2. Maybe. I mean, the thing is for me, I've seen Lilo Brancato in a lot of movies and he's really talented. He does a lot of cool things. And I know the story about him getting the role for this movie. And he was like chosen out of a lot of people because he looked like De Niro. But then when I found out he could act, it was a whole nother thing. Um, but I actually, I actually really enjoyed him. I thought he was a surprise. I, th- I actually thought in a lot of scenes that I think he did a really good job. I mean, maybe he's not the greatest actor on the planet, but I think uh, I think that the younger actor who plays Collegio is is complete child over actor, but um, you know, it, I guess it just depends on the flavor you're looking for, and I think he hit it when he needed to. Yeah, I think he I think he was very like I think he was very like one note almost like he was very just like this is I'm just a raspy voice guy like that's it's it's it was it was a it, that performance didn't work for me, and when. Like Palminteri, who's a very good actor, and like this is his like passion project, uh, and like didn't and so he's like killing it. And De Niro, who's like obviously one of the great actors of all time, uh, you know, great screen actors anyway of all time, is like uh, it, I think it 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 it's a, it's an imbalance. Like it's it's not it to me that it doesn't work necessarily. Okay, well, what's your opinion? Uh, so let's go to medals. So Derek, who do you have for a bronze medal? I actually have Lilo Brancato as my bronze. Um, like I said before, I thought he was a surprise. Um, I like the fact that they did find somebody who looked like De Niro when they're talking to each other. It's like a mirror almost. Um, and I liked some of the choices that Lilo made as an actor, um, to do some of these things, maybe some of the, like, I love the fact when he runs, he looks ridiculous. Like, I love the fact that like, he doesn't look like a, a tough kid. He really isn't the tough kid. He's the one kid in the group who's like, has sympathy for people. And it doesn't come from anything really. That doesn't come from him meeting Jane. He just doesn't, he's not a hateful person. And I wonder where he gets it from because his dad, you know, it's like, no, I, I, I mean, everybody in the bus is fine, you know, but you know, I think people should just, you know, be with their own colors and stuff. And he just doesn't get it. You know, he's just like, I see everybody the way they should be and stuff. And I liked a lot of his acting choices. I think that it could have been even more stale than, than what you say. Um, and I didn't find it to be. So I, I, I think it's an enjoyable performance personally. So he gets my bronze. All right. Fair enough. My, uh, my bronze uh, goes to uh, Joe Pesci because he just, he comes in and he, he's a fucking pro and he like kills the scene and he, He's he's a very memorable part of the movie for me, even though he's not in a whole lot of it. But yeah, it's Pesci. He's, we're we're taking the Pesci challenge, by the way. This is this is diet Pesci. Yeah, this is definitely diet Pesci. Diet Pesci, just a little bit of Pesci, not one hundred percent Pesci. Next week we go Pesci classic. Yep. But uh, yeah, so he's he gets my bronze. Who is your silver medal? My silver goes to Charles Palminteri. Um, I think this is. A very good role for him. He knocks it out of the park. I think when people think of Jazz Palminteri, they probably think of him in this. Um, this is the one that I remember the most for sure. But it's almost like he's not even acting. It's almost just like he was the obvious choice for this. I mean, number one, he wrote it. But number two, it's like he's just being himself. Because I know this from watching certain podcasts and interviews. And people who know Jazz Palminteri are like, that's how he is in real life. He's sunny. You know, only he's not in the mafia, but he definitely has connections to people. And he's a very, uh, you know, at the dinner table at a restaurant, he's like, hey, come here, come here. You know, he's very sunny in real life. So I think it was pretty easy for him to do this. Um, And a a scene that we didn't even mention that we probably should have is the biker scene might be his finest moment in the movie where he's like, now you can't leave. And just that whole moment is like very, very good. And he 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 does acting. He does the the big, big things and the loud stuff very well. But he's also very subtle. I like when I like when he's talking to see in the movie and he's like talking about availability and his voice is like very low and he's just having a conversation with them and he's like a regular person but he's also this very scary guy as well so i think he does great doing kind of both things yeah um so to to me silver and gold are like razor thin razor that could have gone either way um i went to nero for for silver um and i i think it's i mean his his performance is is excellent as usual uh, you know, can't really, can't really fuck with a De Niro performance. You know, he when he when he's on, and this is kind of like prime De Niro 
you know, his, his fucking prime acting goes from like the seventies to fucking the, you know, the nineties. So, uh, and this is definitely in there. Um, you know, and of course he directs the movie and I think he, I, I, I think he's a good director. I think there's, you know, if he was a, and, and it could be just, he doesn't want to direct all that much, you know, and he, and he prefers acting. I wouldn't know, but I, I feel like he's not a bad director. He's not a great director. He's a good director. Um, so that kind of, and I, I would say his strengths in that, you know, in this movie, at least I haven't actually seen the good shepherd, so I can't speak to that one, but I think his like shot selection and, you know, his you know, song choices and how he you know, composes certain images really work. Uh, I think oddly he doesn't, you know, and we sort of disagree about some of the acting, but like he doesn't necessarily get the best performances out of his actors. So I think that's kind of the difference where where, where he's, he's stuck at silver for me. But I mean, his performance in the movie is fucking golden as always, gold worthy. Uh, but I assume he is your your gold. Yeah, it's not it's not as thin as, as yours is. I think Robert De Niro is the one that shines in this because number one, you don't really get a lot of movies where he's just like a normal guy who rides a bus. He's usually a very five, six, seven dimensional character with that's kind of like you know taxi driver. He's like half nuts, half not. This is like a regular guy who drives a bus who has a wife and a son, and he's just trying to live his best life and make money. And he has so many morals. He doesn't want his kid mixed up. He refuses a job that gives him like $150 a week or whatever. And uh, it's a really interesting performance for him because you don't see it very often of him just being a regular guy. But for me, the directing is where it shines because I couldn't believe all the song choices he does and how they work so well. And I guess I'm biased because the songs that he uses are like, literally like all my favorite songs it's my favorite genre of music classic soul classic rock and i can't even imagine how much money he spent on come together by the beatles that's just ridiculous probably was the whole budget but i just i, I was surprised and i i even like some of his camera shots you know that that long shot when when young collegero was like going from his staircase to the bar i love that long shot and i love the way he does that and I wasn't very, very impressed by his directing. And for the longest time, I didn't know he directed it. And when I did, I was like, holy crap, he did a really good job. And I'm surprised he didn't do it more. But um, for those reasons, he gets my gold. Right. Yeah. So my uh, my gold goes to Chaz Palminteri. And I think he's excellent in his his role in the movie. He's I think Sonny is by far the most memorable character uh, you know, in, the, in the film. Uh, but I, to me, I think the best, and this is sort of a, a strange thing to to say i guess but it sort of makes sense in my head the best part about this movie is the story and it's his story yep you know so you know whether it's i don't know if it's like semi-autobiographical uh from from what i've heard um but i i think that the best parts of this movie come from him you know he, the the little like you know, there was a, a teacher I had in high school that would fucking point with his three fingers like Sonny does, you know, in this movie. And it, because it's like, it's such a memorable, like, tick. And it's just, it's just a fun, fun performance. So I, I, and you know what? Chaz Palminteri probably not going to get gold in any other movie we ever do. De Niro uh, probably is going to come up uh, in the future, certainly. certainly. But uh, yeah, so let's go, let's go Chaz with this one. So let's go to recasting. I tried to get a Colosio, but I, I kind of had a theme in mind and I like my, my, I have Sonny and Lorenzo. So for, for me, Colosio is just going to be like an unknown, just find an unknown and, and, and do okay. it. I uh, have all three. I have Sonny, C and Lorenzo. All right. Who do you have for C? I went with Jack Dylan Grazer and people wouldn't probably best know him for being um, Eddie in the new it movies. Um, he's a little bit yes, older course, now. It, it chapter two, your favorite movie, favorite movie of all time. Um, he, I think um, there was a movie that Gia showed me recently. It was um, a, it was a Disney movie, I think. Gia, what was that movie? The two brothers, not the brothers. The kid who was the fish. And he, in Luca, it was called Luca. Yeah. And um, Jack Dylan Grazer does a voice in that. And, I, and they, it, you know, they're supposed to be like Italian or whatever. But I thought it worked. I, I liked his voice as he got he he's, he got older. I picture him being like that kind of innocent kid who can have his you know his hair slicked back or whatever and be kind of like in that. Um, so I think it was difficult to cast, but I could kind of see him in that role. I think it may, it may work. So, so I, uh, let's, let's go, let's go Lorenzo. So I went with Hispanic actors. 
try to take it away from uh, the the Italian because I feel like if I'm making it today, the I don't know if I'm setting it in the '60s, the demographics of the area are probably going to be a little bit different. Okay. So I for Lorenzo went with, and we're going to see this guy, and I, I I know you haven't seen Dune yet, but no. he he plays a paternal role in Dune that made me think of this, and that is uh, Oscar Isaac. Oh yeah, he's he's great. Yeah. He's great in everything I've seen him in. Yeah. And even if you were going to go the Italian direction, I mean, he looks Italian he to me. Might he, as looks, well. he could be anything. Yeah, he could be Portuguese. He could be Greek. He, could look, he looks like a mall. So. He's from fucking space and Star Wars. Yeah, because he looks space too. Yeah, yeah. he looks alien. Space, yeah. Spacian, yeah. I guess alien's the right word. Not spacian. So who's your, who's your Lorenzo? Spacian. My Lorenzo is an actor that I've used very frequently, and it's uh, Bradley Cooper. Okay. And uh, I like him a lot. I just think he's I lo- I, again. I'm going back to his voice in Rock, his Rocket. Yeah. Uh, I you love- know what's interesting? He play and this is kind of like goes to a De Niro thing. Where, yeah, like he tends to play like a scumbag. Yeah, yeah. He definitely. I think earlier earlier on in his career, he was definitely more of a scumbag guy, and now he's taking more like likable roles. But I just picture him as the dad with like you know the uh, the wife beater on, and he's like, "What's what's the matter?" Oh, you know. And I, I mean, he, he can do the voice. I mean, everybody knows he can do the voice, and I think he'd be kind of a a cool Lorenzo in that case. I can picture him driving the bus and stuff, and just being a regular guy. Because I think when Bradley Cooper does play like a regular person, like a regular nice guy, it works really well. So I can picture him in this role. Plus, I think Bradley Cooper is like half Italian, so that that's even better. Sure. <laughs> they ch- they changed. It was Cooperino. They changed it at Ellis Island. Yeah. Cooperini. Um, Cooperini. <laughs> so my sonny. You might have the same one. Um, Benicio del Toro. Okay. All right. I, I, like I mean, if you, if you if you weren't going Hispanic and we had, you like you cast in Hispanic, well, I'm, I'm I'm curious who you have now. But I think Benicio del Toro has like the presence to like yeah, he, he, he to certainly draw does, people yeah. in, and I think that kind of that's that's what what Sonny needs. Yeah, and I can see that. I feel like the I feel like the scene when he does confront Colosio at the end and like threaten him would be fucking terrifying if Benicio del Toro was like holding like fucking gun to my head and being like, Did you fucking do it. Right, right. Yeah. I'd piss myself. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. But he'd be I could see him just like switching off, like, oh fuck, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. So who who's your sonny? My sonny is actually Bobby Cannaval. Okay. And uh, he looks like Chaz Palminteri a little bit when he's younger and stuff. And he has that Italian thing about him and everything I've seen him and I like him. Um, so I pictured him and I think I, there was a TV show that got canceled on HBO. I forget what it's called. Vice. Is it called Vice? Yeah. Vinyl. Vinyl. Gia, yeah. yeah. Vice. Uh, yeah. He plays Dick Cheney. <laughs> Gia just said, Gia just said, I gave that one to you. Fucker is what she just said. Wow. Uh, wow. It was her. Who, it was her. Who wow. took Bobby kind of. Yeah. She's still wow. Bobby kind of all. But I mean, you know what? Shots fired. Shots fired. And you know what? I know we haven't brought him up yet, but the real gold medal in this movie goes to Al Pacino. Oh, naturally. Al Pacino. Bobby. <laughs> what? <laughs> Can I play the boy? Yeah, I think Al Pacino <laughs> plays mush in this movie. <laughs> well, my money's no good no more. <laughs> You're a no, fucking think, jinx. I think, I think Pacino plays young Colosio. The young, yeah. The younger version. <laughs> Yeah. Dad, could you take me to a Yankees game tomorrow? <laughs> Mickey Mantle's the greatest player ever lived. Nah, nah, Joe DiMaggio. Nah, nah, nah. Nah, nah, nah. What, what makes the, him the greatest player to ever live? The is Robert De Niro impression. Italian? The Robert De Niro impression I do, the only thing I can really stick on is the nah. Nah, nah. Nah, 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 nah. You <laughs> keep, keep calling him Bobby instead of Dad. Bobby. Bobby, excuse me. Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Sonny, tell me, is it better to be he's playing all closure now? It doesn't ah, matter. Yeah. Sonny, is, is it better to be loved or feared? <laughs> Sonny, you've been like a father to me. Those bikers are laughing their sick fucking asses <laughs> off. <laughs> tell me, can you make sauce? <laughs> sauce for macaroni. <laughs> Just absolutely fucking deranged Pacino performance. <laughs> so miscellaneous. So the uh, the offer to um, to Lorenzo. You know, we haven't mentioned it yet, but uh, Sonny basically offers Lorenzo a jo- as a like a, a job as running numbers. Yeah. As you know, as um, yeah, sort of a, a, 
a thank you for uh, for closure, not ratting him out. And he offers him $150 a week. Yep. In 1960 money, that would be over $1,400 a week. Damn, dude. That Today. is fucking yeah. solid. Yeah. That is. I w- I'm, I'm, a I'm, lot of saying, money. I'm saying up front, I have morals. I take that job in a second. Oh, in a heart. In a second. Give me whispers because it comes on my bus. Hey, uh, we, we really appreciate what you and your son did for him. If Cindy wants to offer you a job, I don't even care how much it is. I'll take yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Saying his good side. Like, it's, it's, yeah. it's interesting because, you know, he's very, Lorenzo is very, the way he makes his decisions, other than this one decision, is always like, I need to protect my family. Like, I need to put my family's interests first. And his wife is like, why didn't you do it? Right. It's 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 an interesting decision. Like he's just that's his no go area. It's like I'm not taking any dirty money. And 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 speaking about and this is my miscellaneous. Speaking about his family, what the hell happens to the mother the second half of the movie? She vanishes. Vanishes. She doesn't, have, she doesn't even exist. She's not even in the house. Yeah, not even the house. Like what? I just want to know what they would. I, I get that maybe like they were like the, the, the story's not revolving around her. She's just an opening. But like I don't get. Say something. Right. Just be there. Like look out yeah, the window be- every once in a while. Yeah. Um. So, do you have anything else for miscellaneous? Not really. It was just that that bothered me. Okay. What are you eating with this movie? Oh boy, what are we eating with this movie? Probably some uh, some very very fine Italian food at a restaurant. Some you nice know, some gonna, sauce for macaroni. Yeah, some nice sauce with macaroni. I'm gonna have probably like some nice sausage, some spicy meatballs. Uh, I want like very Italian, like, you know, like North end Italian type food. You know, I want, I want to dip some Italian bread into some sauce, Absolutely. grated, che- grated cheese, just on ev- everything. Just when I use grated cheese, I, I don't even use the, uh, the little three holes that comes in the thing. I take the whole cover off. I just dump Absolutely. cheese. I just take a fucking handful out, toss it, just fucking throw just it right on there. Right on there. Toss it. The harder you throw it, the better it tastes. Everyone knows that. You'd, absolutely. You just make a, yeah. Um, so I, I agree with that. Some uh, some 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 pasta with sauce, meat sauce. Good pasta. Hey, you know, I'll tell everybody this, and this is a little here's a little secret. I don't know a lot of people know this. You know, everybody goes out and they buy, you know, cheap meals and stuff, and they try to find the cheapest meals possible. Go to Market Basket in the frozen section, they have frozen raviolis and frozen like tortellini, and it's like a dollar sixty-nine a bag, and it's like the fucking best meal. If you just get some Rayo sauce, if you don't want to make your own sauce. You're fucking solid. Just, just saying. Let's go to the Oscars. So, I feel like as I'm talking, I sound more Italian because it's just, it's just. If I start talking about Italian food, I just it goes from me being like, "Yes, I'm Derek, and I'm talking about food." At the end of it, I'm like, "Make sure you get the right fucking tortellini, all right?" You fucking. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's the Jim Gaffigan bit. It's like I have an Italian friend, and the only reason I was Italian is he develops Italian accent whenever he says the name of a dish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think I was just gonna go out to the store and buy some manicotti. Hey, 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 enough with the manicotti, all right? <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's go to the Oscars here. The nineteen ninety four Oscars, right? Four Oscars, indeed. We have covered this episode. Uh, excuse me, we've covered this Oscars in a couple of episodes. Uh, most notably, our first episode, Jurassic Park. Uh, but was that uh, 75 episodes ago indeed so many episodes ago so this movie is not nominated for any oscars okay. which which is surprising because it's a, a sort of a critical darling you know the this is a um, you know, future guest of the show steven spielberg's year of course um stevie stevie so he wins best picture also but Shingles list wins best picture uh, the Fugitive no- is nominated. In the Name of the Father is nominated. Uh, the Piano is nominated. I th- the Reigns of the Day is nominated. But I think we did replace that with Jurassic Park. I'm saying dump in the Name of the Father for a Bronx Tale. I'll give it to you. Best Director. Spielberg, of course, wins for Schindler's List. Jim Sheridan, Name of the Father. Uh, Jane Campion for The Piano, who I think we removed for Spielberg for Jurassic Park. Um, James Ivory in The Remains of the Day and Robert Altman in Shortcuts. Um, I say we keep it as is. I, I don't think this is necessarily a, you know, you may disagree. 
No, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, he wasn't going to win. Not with Spielberg yeah. there. So, I mean, I could, I could, get, you know, leave it or take it, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, best actor. I guess in this we'd be considering uh, Lilo Brancato as the lead. I yeah, I guess. I, I, it's funny because you think of Palmentary, but I mean, I guess he is supporting. Yeah. So I, I, I'm going to say I'm going to say no on that one, but. Uh, okay. Yeah, Tom Hanks wins Philadelphia. Daniel Day Lewis, Name of the Father, is nominated. Lawrence Fishburne, What's Love Got to Do with It? Anthony Hopkins in It Remains the Day, and Liam Neeson in Schindler's List. Yeah. Uh, so stacked category that year. Yeah, indeed. Uh, supporting actor Tommy Lee Jones wins in The Fugitive. Leonardo DiCaprio in What's It Eating Gilbert Grape. Ray Fiennes in Schindler's List. John Malkovich in The Line of Fire. And Pete Postlewaite in, in, in The Name of the Father. I think we did remove Malkovich to replace him. Uh, with Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park. I think, I don't know. I mean, I think Palmentary should maybe be there, but maybe, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, do we, are we, do we think Palmentary or do we think De Niro? I think Palmentary is more of the, the, the character you remember. Sure. So I wouldn't replace him with, with uh, DiCaprio because I think he should have won that year. So I think Ray Fine should have won that year. So Postlewaite. I mean, that's. I mean, it's likely the only nomination the guy ever had. I like the actor a lot too, but um, I've never seen The Fugitive, so I can't really t- say if Tommy Lee Jones is phenomenal or not. But you know what? Because of that, I'll leave, leave commentary out for now. Okay, all right, we'll leave him out. Uh, and then, yeah, there's no real great female roles in this movie. Uh, they just disappear as the movie progresses. They so. do, yeah, in, yeah, weird. I haven't even seen the actress who plays Jane in anything else. I wonder what else she did after that. She's been in a few things. She's done some TV. Hmm. Uh, nothing, nothing huge. Yeah, we know the woman who, the actress who plays the mother. She's in The Sopranos. She's in The Bronx Tale, and she was in The Irishman. But yeah, mostly Italian American esque movies <laughs> or shows. Right. So now we come to the most important part of the show, and that is when we throw thirty seconds on the clock. Derek, you tell us why A Bronx Tale is the greatest movie of all time. Uh, are you ready? Let's do it. Three, two, one, go. A Bronx Tale, directed by Robert De Niro in 1993. I think this is the greatest movie of all time because of the story and how, how great it flows, the acting, the soundtrack, the way it makes you feel, the laughs, the cries, um, the danger, the sadness. It's just one of those movies that just for me, and it, it works in every category. So I think because of that reason, it is the greatest movie of all time this week. All right. So that is uh, 25 seconds. Great job. Uh, so tell us what you think. Is this the greatest movie of all time? Very interesting where this comes up. I mean, we're about halfway through our season here. Uh, so I, I can't wait to uh, to see where all of these land in our season finale. Yeah. Uh, now, that's been our episode in a Bronx tale, but let's talk about what we have coming up soon. And as, as you know, as we've talked about, we are in the middle of the Pesci challenge. So next week we are going back to an old friend, back to Marty, back to De Niro. Yep. Back of course to Pesci introducing Sharon Stone. Welcome to the podcast. Yep. Sharon. And that, of course, is Casino. Yeah, I'm excited. Casino is like a very, like, wake up early on a Sunday and just bang out three hours. <laughs> yes, make some time. You're, you're done with the movie. You're like, oh, it's 2 p.m. Shit, yeah. I, started this, I started this at 9. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the following week, we complete the Pesci Challenge with, I would say, you know, Wild Cherry Pesci with uh, you know, some kind of twist. Pesci twist. Pesci twist. Yeah. Uh, and that is uh, my cousin Vinny yep. with my brother Anthony as a guest. <laughs> Anthony, you know, I, I, I've been thinking about you a lot, Anthony, lately, if you're listening to this. And I, even though we both love my cousin Vinny, I'm going to find a way to just get you aggravated, I think. Well, to I be don't fair, think you're going to succeed. You're, I was going to say, say, he makes me <laughs> aggravated. He's you're like, gonna, you trying to aggravate him. Anthony, will just sleeps, aggravate like, you. Anthony sleeps like an angel at night. Yeah. I'm up all night thinking about how mad gonna, he makes me. You're going to like throw shit at him. He's like, yeah, okay. And you're like, Anthony, no, Anthony, you fucking been, care about what I'm saying. Ah. Anthony, Anthony's <laughs> been paying rent in my brain for the last six months. <laughs> I don't think he's been paying rent. I think he's been, in fact, living rent free in your head. That's the saying. Thank you. That's probably what you're going for. Thanks, Rick. I needed that. 
And then, uh, then of course, uh, I think potentially uh, in our episode following that, uh, Pacino may actually be in contention for the gold. Uh, or perhaps De Niro again gets one of our golds. And because that is going to be, or maybe Val Kilmer, who knows? We're going to find out. And of course, it's Heat. Maybe Danny Trejo. Maybe Danny Trejo. Maybe, hey, uh, maybe, maybe Ted Levine. Maybe Ted Levine. <laughs> maybe Ashley Judd. Maybe, maybe. Be a weird uh, choice, maybe, but, you know, maybe. Maybe, maybe Tom Sizemore, Rick. Could be Sizemore. Could be Size Less. I almost said Grady Sizemore. <laughs> Cleveland, Cleveland Indians player, Grady Sizemore. Uh, Cleveland Guardians. I'm aware of that, but he was an Indian back then. Like, if you ask Grady Sizemore right now what team you played for, he's not going to be like, I played for the Cleveland Guardians. He's not going to say that. So Maybe he will. I don't know. We'll have to ask him. Let's get him on the yeah. show. Grady. 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 <laughs> Grady. Come on, Grady. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's our month of March. Cannot could, you imagine, could you imagine on Facebook us just being like, guys, gotta listen to the next episode. We have <laughs> celebrity. <laughs> I, can't even, I, can't, I can't even complete the sentence. It's so funny. <laughs> so check out Grady Sizemore in the minute. No, um, yeah, so we have a, a very fun month of March coming up. April, we get a theme coming up as well. Going to be very fun. Uh, and, and then May, we go back to sequel month for the second year in a row. So cannot wait for that. Uh, Derek, what do you have coming up on the greatest album of all time podcast? Well, we just did uh, Asia by Steely Dan, one of my favorite albums of all time. It took me 28 episodes to do it. We finally did it. I had a lot of fun with that one. And next, we haven't actually announced the next one. I'm thinking about doing, I think it's time we do either a Zeppelin or a Floyd. I think we're, I think we're due. I think we're due for one. So I will probably let out let it out of the bag on our casino episode. So stay tuned. All right. Can't wait for that. Uh, so I do want to thank you so much for listening to our podcast here. Tell your friends about us, like we say at the beginning of the episode. Really helpful. Love to get some more people listening. Uh, I, of course, have been your beloved, wonderful, amazing, perfect co-host, Rick Barrasso. And I have been your least favorite, shitty, stupid, dumb co-host. You only get three great ones, Boski. Would you say that you only get three great episodes? You only get three great ones. <laughs> listen, you listen to these podcasts, and I'll tell you which one. We get three great episodes. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know, Rick, we do a countdown for, for the best movie, the movies you've done. Best episode. We should do one for the best episodes. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? That'll that'll be uh, that'll that'll be interesting. That'll be interesting. Patreon, Patreon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I do want to thank you again so much for for listening here, and of course, go to the movies. Keep watching, everyone.